listeners, I'm Robin Black. This is It's All About Healing Podcast. Today we have a special guest today, Bob Gonzalez. He's going to tell us a little bit about his journey and how he started his book called Flicker. It's called Flicker, correct? Flicker, a flicker in the water. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that and yourself, Bob. Well, um, I grew up in Pennsylvania, uh, about 200 miles away from the ocean. So <laughs> the most of the fishing I did was in freshwater then. Um, I did do some saltwater fishing. I used to go to New Jersey in summers and uh, catch bluefish with my dad. And in the wintertime, we would catch cod. Um, white-tailed deer hunting was the sport of choice in Pennsylvania, so we did a lot of that there. And I played uh, college baseball, and uh, we used to come to Florida every spring. And one spring, I just uh, I was down here in February and March, and I went back up, and I said, you know, <laughs> it's too cold up here. <laughs> Yeah. I, have to get, I have to move down to Florida. So I moved down to Florida in my early 20s and I opened up a small business and um, I moved to Destin, which is known as the world's luckiest fishing village. Mm-hmm. And I started fishing all the time, which I always loved as a kid. I always loved to fish. But here it's a lifestyle. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, on the northern Gulf of Mexico, that's where Destin is um, on the panhandle. Um yeah, so I just started fishing all the time. And after like 15 years of fishing, I had a lot of stories I thought people would enjoy reading about. And I put them into the book. And this is uh, the book, A Flicker in the Water. Okay. Nice. Uh, and th- that that's a Goliath grouper on the cover. Oh, my. <laughs> that's the biggest of the grouper families. There's a whole bunch of groupers and Goliath is the biggest one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So tell us about your journey to to writing it. Like what type of, what does it do? Is it is it also like therapeutic when you're out on the water? It's very therapeutic. I talk about that a lot in the book. I talk about how um, we're connected to nature when we're out on the water because it's just you and the water and the sky, you know. And um, to me, I felt closer to God being out on the ocean. I, you know, you see him in every star that's out there. <laughs> You really feel the presence of the uh, vastness of everything that's around you. That You don't get that feeling on land. At least I, I don't. I just feel like uh, like what they say, like a, a pebble in the, in, the, in the sand, you know, when you're out on the ocean. You just feel very small out there. <laughs> but yeah. in a good way. In a good way. It's very soothing. It's very relaxing. It's very healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the uh, physical as well as the uh, spiritual aspects of being out on the water are very healing. You know, the, the, the water has a lot of minerals. It's got salt and minerals in there that are good for us, and we breathe them in. Mm-hmm. And uh, it helps your, your physical body, but then your um, your natural body, the sky and the heavens, you feel really good spiritually, which helps you mentally. Yeah. And you said something about seeing the stars. Like what, what time are you, are you <laughs> fishing? Like, are you night fishing? At times, yeah, not always, but there were times we did some night fishing. We would even spend overnight sometimes and stay out. The whole through the night and even fish at night, yeah. Wow, and do you do you guys take trips and go like <laughs> ice fishing or like I'm really interested in this fishing? Well, when we I was in Pennsylvania, we did some ice fishing. The the way the, <laughs> that you do the ice fishing is you um well the, the ice gets thick enough so you can walk out in in the winter time, and yeah. uh, you get a an auger and you drill a hole, you know, and then you put your line in. <laughs> it's got like a cross with a flag and when when the fish bites the line the flag pops up <laughs> what yeah so uh so that's how you fish for the ice fish up there on the lakes in the um 
in the Gulf of Mexico, it's not cold. You know, it doesn't freeze, so there's no ice fishing. But uh, mm -hmm. you know, you're on a boat usually, or you can fish from the shore too, or from a pier. But I did most of mine from a boat. Wow! Um, oh my gosh! So, what was the ice fishing like? Like, how long do you have to stay out there for ice fishing? Yeah, oh, you, could, you could be out there as long as you wanted. Sometimes <laughs> you could get bites right away and come home in half an hour. Other times you could spend all day and get nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's how fishing is. I talk about that in the book, too. I talk about how uh, the fish don't always cooperate. You know, I mean, the fisherman does what he can to try to catch the fish. But there's always um, some level of, um, say, the fish have in this, <laughs> yeah. you know, and there's frustration at times when the fish don't bite. It can be very frustrating. But if you persist and you fight through the frustration, you usually come back at the end of the day with something or a good story to tell. And how often, like, and when you're when you go on a fishing trip and you're out there um, on the water, how often are you casting your line or are you keeping it in the water? Well, uh, it depends on what kind of fishing you're doing. We used to do some casting, like when you would see mahi-mahi, uh, which is the dolphin fish. Mm -hmm. You could cast to them, and uh, they usually come up and will take your bait. Or another fish called cobia. We used to do a lot of castings for a fish called the cobia. But uh, most of the time, though, we would fish the bottom. Like, you would get your line, and we'd fish in two or 300 feet of water. You'd drop it all the way to the bottom, and uh, you'd fish for red snapper and groupers that way. And when you feel that tug on the line, you, you start crying because you want to pull them up off the bottom. Because if you if they start going back towards the bottom away from you, they'll crawl into a hole and you'll never pull them out. So you want to get that momentum coming up towards you when they when you feel that first bite. Wow. Then the other times we did a, a technique called trolling. Trolling is where you're moving and you're dragging the bait. So usually on the surface, sometimes a little few feet deep, but usually on the surface and you're you're dragging, you're waiting for the fish to come up and take that that lure. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, but would you recommend like for just beginner fishermen, would you recommend casting their line out several times or would you recommend like them just holding it in the water and waiting well it, it depends on what you want to catch and what's in season before you go i would find out what fish are in season what's biting what kind of bait you're using but um either one can work um bottom fishing usually you usually when you bottom fish you do catch something most of the time mm -hmm. so if you're bottom fishing uh you usually have a good rate of success and um just you could use any kind of bait for that too doesn't have yeah. to be um, a lure. You can use like a chunk bait, what they call like a dead bait, where you uh, put a chunk of a piece of fish on there or a squid or something, and you drop mm -hmm. it down, and uh, they'll usually cooperate. Not always, but usually. <laughs> that sounds so gross. Yeah. <laughs> baiting the the line, baiting the hook is just like I don't know. Like, what do you? So I know sometimes they use those fake ones. Which is better, the the real or the fake? Usually live bait. There's nothing better than live bait most of the time <laughs> because they, they swim around and they look alive to the fish and they give off a scent and a vibration, you know, that a, a lure or a dead bait cannot. So live bait is usually the best way to go. <laughs> and so and what else inspired you to, to write this book? Well, um, I had fished for like 15 years and then um, I wasn't I stopped fishing. I wasn't fishing quite as much. So. Um, I, the book was my way of, of still being out there, relating the stories and being alive and still feeling like I was out on the water. And that's what I try to convey to the reader. I want the reader to feel like they're out on the ocean with me. Oh, nice. I like that. And so 
why is it that you said that you don't you don't get out much on the water anymore? Well, um, fuel prices went up a lot, and uh, you know the restrictions on what you can catch and the limits on the fish also went up. So it's a lot more difficult to keep the fish than it was, you know, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So all those factors in factor. I'm, I'm going out September 16th, though. So next time I'm on, I'll let you know what happens. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be fun. Yeah. And you, you make like a whole weekend out of it, or is it just usually a day? Or Well, usually a day, but you can do a weekend. You can mm-hmm. you can um, you can go for a weekend trip up to eight people. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And where is this at that you that you go again? Destin, Florida. It's in, in the panhandle of Florida. And sometimes we take a ride to uh, Louisiana. They have like offshore oil rigs there. Mm-hmm. And the oil rigs, I talk about this in the book too. In fact, the offshore oil rigs in Louisiana are what inspired the title of Flicker in the Water because uh, we were uh, fishing around these oil rigs in Louisiana and they hold a lot of fish because the fish feel safe there and they give up warmth and light and, and heat and they all the fish congregate there. So we were fishing this tuna, battling a tuna, and I just saw the light in the water, and I said, a flicker in the water, and that's how the book came about. <laughs> oh, that's so neat. That's yeah. inspiring. But how did you see the light in the water? What did you mean? Well, the the, the colors of the tuna's body were, were yeah. you know, reflecting the light. So we would I saw the, the flickers in the water of the tuna swimming. Oh, mm. that is neat. So how big are these oil rigs? Aren't those really big? They're big. Some of them are in shallow water, you know, 20, 25 feet. Other ones go down thousands of feet. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. And you were what you were around which one? The one that went 20 feet or the one that went thousands of feet? Well, both. But this particular one of the flicker in the water, the tuna was a couple thousand feet. Oh, my goodness. And tuna are pretty large, aren't they? Yeah, they can be. Yeah. uh, They can go anywhere from, you know, 20 or 30 pounds up to seven or 800 pounds. Are you serious? I didn't know yeah. they could get yeah. that. Yeah. That's well, the, the bluefin tuna is the biggest of the tunas. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Is that the tuna with the yellow on the body as well? That's yellowfin tuna. That's yellowfin. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, my God. They get big, too. Yellowfins can be, you know, three, 400 pounds, the really big ones. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's that's really amazing. I, I like that. So yeah. Tell us- Tell us a little bit more about the the therapy behind it. Well, you just feel like there's just a tranquility and a peacefulness and a calmness that comes over people, I think, but definitely me. But people in general, I think we're built that way. The water, you know, human beings are, are made from the water. They, you know, they, we come from the ocean. So and throughout history, man has always been on the ocean, you know, or, or on water. And fishing has been a big thing for people throughout history. Um, so I just think it's uh, you feel at one, you feel at peace with nature. Yeah, and that's I I get that. Yeah. Do you feel that you connect with nature in any other type of way? Well, yeah. Some when you're in the mountains too, I think you can feel that way. You know, um, if you're hiking or some, you know, you see the vastness of you know the Rocky Mountains or something like that. I think you can feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you like camping, Bob? I used to do that in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I haven't done it in a long time, but yeah, I, I love all the outdoors. It's it's great therapy and great fun. Really? Yeah. Like, do you often do you have children? No. No. Do, who do you normally go with? Is it just like a guys' trip or? We used to have a group of us that would go from here. Uh, we had a team of about five or six people that would go. Uh, just friends, local friends. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so. <laughs> and my, my dad, who's, my dad, who's eighty-two years old, still likes to go out there and fish. 
Really? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Has there ever been like any type of um, any type of experiences where someone or you even was afraid? Did something ever, you know, make you <laughs> afraid? Well, um, it can get rough out there at times, sure. Um, and one time um, we weren't fishing, but a hurricane came through, uh, Hurricane Opal, back in 1995. Uh-huh. And uh, it really, <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about the power of things, man. <laughs> that it, it, The whole area was destroyed from that hurricane. It looked like all, completely different than it did from the day before. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, people rebuild back and, um, you know, after a while things get back to normal. But those hurricanes are a reminder of, of, you know, how strong nature can be. So you were in the midst, you were in the middle of the hurricane? No, no, we weren't fishing. I was here, but I wasn't in the hurricane. I had to seek shelter. I spent the night in the supermarket. (laughs) Oh, okay. Like a shelter, yeah. Hurricane came out of nowhere, you on the water? That just, I was kind of confused about that. Yeah, it was weird, yeah. Yeah, we just missed one about a week, less than a week ago, Hurricane Idalia. Uh, it hit the uh, Big Bend area of Florida. It missed us, mm-hmm. but uh, it went up there. They hadn't had a hurricane like that in, since like the 1800s. Yeah, wow. Uh, so yeah. What did, did you guys have any damage where you are, or did it completely, totally miss you? It completely, totally missed us, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, by about 100 miles, yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. So – for anyone who wants to get a hold of you or find out more about your book, how would they get in contact with you? Well, I have a website. The website is flickerinthewater.com. And there's a lot of interesting things on the website that are not in the book. So, uh, you know, anybody who's really interested can go there and look at a lot of really interesting things. Um, I also have, a, it's on Amazon. You know, uh, you could look under the book, A Flicker in the Water, or my name, Bob Gonzalez with a Z. Uh, we have a Kindle version on there. Pretty much anywhere books are sold. You Barnes and Noble, Books a Million. You can order it pretty much anywhere. Um, yeah, but uh, the main, the go-to for everything is is the website because it links to all the other places on the website. So I, that's where I would advise people to go. And that one's without an A. That one's just Flicker in the Water. Oh, okay, okay, Flicker in the Water. And then as far as your social media, um, how do they get in contact with you through platforms? I'm on Twitter, um, Bob Gonzalez, uh, Flicker in the Water also. Um, Facebook, same thing. Um, Instagram and Gab. <laughs> Those Gab. Are, I've never heard of Gab. What yeah, is Gab? Yeah, Gab is uh, actually Gab is not as big a platform as the other ones, but it was formed by a guy from my hometown in Pennsylvania. So I got on there. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, but that, that one, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook are the main ones. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. I got that. And what um, what do you offer as far as when others are being uh, drawn to your website? What are they getting out of that? Well, they're getting a lot of entertainment and education. Uh, one of the <laughs> reviewers actually said he enjoyed sharing it with his uh, with his children because uh, apart from being entertaining, it was very educational and fascinating. He said. So in the book, you're you're also teaching um, your audience how to fish as well. How to fish, and I'm teaching them about the oceans and stories about the oceans and things about the way the oceans work that that I didn't even know when I started writing the book. Uh, yeah, uh, like, yeah. What do you mean? Like, what are some examples of how the ocean works? Well, I'll tell you. In the Gulf of Mexico, we have what's called the loop current, 
Mm-hmm. And I knew there was a, I knew about the loop current, but I never knew how it worked. The way it works is um, warm water gets pushed up from the Caribbean into the Gulf of Mexico continuously, nonstop. And the loop current is about 150 miles wide and about 5,000 feet deep. And it flows up about six miles an hour through the Gulf. And it's one of the fastest moving currents in the whole world. So um, a lot of times it barely enters the Gulf. It always connects through Cuba and Key West. It connects through the Gulf Stream and then Mm -hmm. goes up. Other times it pushes all the way up almost to Florida, Louisiana coast and then pushes down. So Uh when they had that oil spill, that Horizon oil spill, remember that one? No. They had that um, that BP oil spill. I think it was in 2012 or 11 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, people were thinking that the Gulf of Mexico would never recover and it would never be the same again because oil was spilling all over the place from this oil, you know, yeah. binary. And um, but the loop current helps push it out and helps disperse it. All the chem, all the salt and everything helps disperse all that oil and it flows right out of there. So the Gulf of Mexico was back to new in no time. Huh. Yeah. I never knew that. I never knew yeah. that was the fastest moving current. I never it's knew one that. of them. Yeah. And there's a lot of pictures in the book that show the diagrams too. Not only that, it, it has offshoots that it shoots cold and warm water in the Gulf that form their own little currents. And they last yeah. up to about a year or two, which is amazing. I never knew a lot of that. Stuff. <laughs> wow. So yeah. in the book, there's a lot of scientific facts. In the yeah. Book. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But I keep it fun though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you so so much for that. Did you have anything that you wanted to add to your audience? Yeah. I mean, my email is there. When you go to my website, email me if you have any questions or let me know how you like the book. And if you get the book, leave me a review on Amazon or wherever you get it. Nice. And what about for any beginner fisherman or any t- any type of fisherman? What, it, what advice do you have for them? <laughs> fight through the persistence. They're not going to bite all the time, but at the end of the day, if you fight through, you usually have a good story to tell, if not a big fish to bring home. Yeah. <laughs> and are you bringing a lot of fish home? Oh, all the time. I love I love fish. I love to eat fish, too. And what's your favorite type of fish? The wahoo is really good. The wahoo. Wahoo, really yeah. The wahoo is like a long, slender fish. They're a warm water fish. They're long and they're, they swim really fast, too. Um, they have really sharp teeth. They're really, really tasty, though. And uh, groupers and snappers are good, too. Oh, and mahis wow. are good. Swordfish. A lot of the, a lot of good-eating fish down here. Wow. And you you prepare the fish yourself as well? Yeah, I love it. I love sautéed in the grill. I <laughs> throw a little onion and garlic on there, and it tastes yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. Well, if there's nothing else to add, Bob, I really d- definitely want to thank you for coming on today. Oh, thank you, Robin. I really appreciate you having me. No problem. That is it, everyone, and everyone stay blessed.